Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. No, you meant to say Happy New Year back, but that's fine. (laughs) Happy New Year, everyone. Who made any New Year's resolutions this year? Well, if you haven't, I wanna give you some ideas this morning, okay? And here they are, the top five New Year's Day resolutions. Coming in at number five, to take up a new hobby. I had to quickly look at that again. I thought it said hubby, but no. (laughs) Hobby. Ever say hobby? Not hubby, right? Hobby. Take up a new hobby. Came in at number five. Number four, to make more money. (laughs) Okay, lover of mammon. There we go, that's right. Uh, Number three, to improve relationships. Went quiet then. (laughs) Some of you know I'm happy with how things are. Thank you very much. Number two, to stop smoking. All the non-smokers said, yeah, they should. And all the non-smokers got not committing to that one. <laughs> and the number one New Year's resolution, uh, resolution, you guessed it, is to lose some weight. and to get in shape. And for all you who are concerned about your shape, just remember this round is a shape. (laughs) A woman walked into her bathroom at home. (laughs) Easy crowd this morning. And as she did, she saw her husband weighing herself on the bathroom scales and he was there sucking in his stomach. The woman thought to herself, he thinks that he will weigh less by sucking in his stomach. And so the woman rather sarcastically said to her husband, that's not gonna help, you know. To which her husband responded, sure it will. It's the only way I will see the numbers. Well, here we are, 2017, which means we made it. We made it to 2017. For after all, what a year 2016 was. It's been described by many as a tough year, a painful year. My favourite would be a crazy year. Some would say a bad year. Others would say a God-awful year. And something the media have picked up on is it's cursed 
The media have called it the curse of 2016. And this is what I do know for many of us, 2017 couldn't come quick enough. And I can certainly relate to all of the above. However, in our eagerness to embrace this new year, my concern is that we may miss what last year was trying to teach us. And so I want to share with you what I've entitled, A New Look at an Old Year. A New Look at an Old Year. See, the new year is a great time to do a stock take. It's a great time to do a stock take of our lives. It's a great time to do a stock take of our marriages. It's a great time to do a stock take of our families. It's a great time to look in the mirror and take a stock take of ourselves. It's a great time to take a stock take of some of the things that we do, some of the habits that we have. And if we don't do this, this year may well turn out as a repeat of last year. If we don't make this moment right here, right now count, as much as we may not have liked many aspects of 2016, we may find 2017 a repeat of 2016. For many of us, our goal for 2017 was to accomplish the goals of 2016, which I should have done in 2015, because I promised them in 2014, and I planned them in 2013. How many know what I'm on about? You see, one thing we like to do as a family, I say family, more Kath and myself, is to clean out our wardrobe every year. And there are three things that happen to our belongings. They are either retained, released or remembered. As we clean out our wardrobe, some of the things that are important to us are retained. We keep them because they will be of use to us in the future. I have a denim jacket that is a staple and I retain it every year because I look so amazing in it. It's just awesome. And it's just, we'll keep that. That's important for my future. As we clean out our wardrobe, we come across things that just have to go. They, we simply don't have room for them anymore. Or they are just plain rubbish. Got to let them go. And thirdly, there are things that we remember. As we clean out our wardrobe, we come across things and take time to remember. And we take a little walk down memory lane. Here's a few things that I've kept in my wardrobe as a reminder of my past. The first one here is something that I wore as a six-year-old. It was my soccer team that I used to play for, Parry Hill Soccer Club. And for those of you who know me know that I'm the ultimate chucker. I chuck everything. But there are some things I keep a hold of 
to remember. To remember. Everyone say remember. So that's one little beauty. This next one you're going to love. It's not quite as white as it used to be, but it's my Baywatch tank top. <laughs> See, for those of you who don't know, and you're going to get to really know me in a moment, I was entered into a competition by my wife as Mr. Baywatch South Australia. And I'm humbly going to tell you that, yeah, I won. And we had to fly to Sydney, whereby the winner of the national competition would have got to go on set in Baywatch. To which I can tell you, I did not win that one. But I cannot find it in my heart to throw this old Goldie away. And every time we clean out our wardrobe, I come across these items and I just reminisce about some of the great things that have happened in our life. And this one was a bit of a prized possession. It's my state soccer tracksuit. I've kept that. This was back in the day where you couldn't just get in any state team for anything. This is when you had to work hard and you got told that if you weren't good enough, you weren't good enough in no uncertain terms. And so I've held on to that one because the first year I tried out for the state team, I was ceremoniously kicked out and came back next year thinking, I'll show them that they made the biggest mistake of their life. <laughs> to which the second year I tried out for the state team, with zero compassion, they just told me I was not wanted. And by the third year, I thought, you know, is it, is, it, is it worth the pain? Is it worth the pain and the rejection of being kicked out from the state squad? I always made the squad, but getting the team, that was another level. And this particular year is the year I got in the team. And we went to Melbourne and we did okay. So I've kept that. Can't fit into it anymore. But they're just good things to remember. There are some things that we need to retain, release, and remember. And we do it every year with our wardrobe. And if we're going to do that with our wardrobe, how much more of our lives, our marriages, our families? Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. I want to read the first five verses. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says... Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life, heaven say real life, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. If it's important that we retain, remember and release things in our wardrobe, how much more of our lives? And I believe as we take a new look at an old year, we need to do the exact same things. 
The first thing we need to do with 2016 is remember. Everyone say, remember. We need to remember. Like our wardrobes, there are things that we need to remember, the good things about 2016, especially beings that there are so many tough elements to 2016. We need to hold on to the good. It's been said, as I've already said, 2016 has been one of the toughest years, the most painful years. When George Michael died, the uh, media grabbed a hold of that and called it the curse of 2016. That's to overlook a long addiction to drugs and depression and all those things. It's easy to label something and to put blame somewhere where it might not just be. I believe that we as a church could probably lay claim to the curse of 2016 if we wanted to, but we're not going to. Are you with me? When I think about how the year started with Chris's death and I think about Kath's health, she found lumps where there shouldn't be lumps. We had to walk through a cancer scare and that is still being monitored as we go. And then Mitchie broke his arm up there. There's Mitch, broke his arm, which isn't a real big deal for a lot of you. But uh, for those of you who know me and the way we raised Mitch, we said he'd never break an arm. Reason being is because he always landed on his head. When Mitchie was a kid, if he fell off this stage, he wouldn't put his hand out and break his arm. No, he just landed on his head. We took him to the hospital all the time because of you know, cuts to the head. But we said, at least he'll never break an arm. But you know what? 2016, he broke an arm. And then in, in May, I got a blood infection and... I was in hospital for three weeks. Three weeks. Me, a man with ADD, ADHD, LMNOP, all this energy, being in hospital for three weeks. And because it was a blood infection, they had to check every part of my body. Every part of my body has been touched, poked and prodded. And, and uh, wow, you know, long time, long three weeks. And then they found that my heart valve had been damaged. And in August, I had to have open heart surgery, which is that picture up there, which doesn't look too pretty. But amidst all of it, they're not the only pictures up there. Because there are so many great things that happened last year. I look at Jordan and Nathaniel up there as they went to the formal and celebrated their last year of school. It's just awesome. Down the bottom there, Mitch and Jordan both got awards and certificates that they earned and rightly so at the end of the year. BJ in a little pink Tutu there, represented her school and state at the National Aerobics Championship. Please don't ask me how they went there. But it was just great to be able to be there and support her. Lots and lots of good memories, good highlights to 2016. If we hide behind the labels such as the curse of 2016, if we hide behind the labels as a tough year, a painful year, if we, if we wrongly name 2016, we're going to miss so much. So that's why Paul says in verse 1, he says, Since you have been raised up to a new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place in honour at God's right hand. See, Paul, the author of this particular letter, is trying to encourage his readers to remember. Everyone say, Remember to remember their position in Christ, to remember the many benefits that this position brings. As painful as Chris's death was, we did gain as a church a greater appreciation of eternity. And I'm forever grateful for that. I'll never forget the very first service after Chris's passing, that Sunday morning, the place was packed. And the way the church came together, the way the church prayed for one another, the way the church loved on one another. 
cared for one another. I remember seeing this photo, a group photo, in the prayer meeting prior to the service that we had. There's a picture of Ben Morris, and he's just hugging someone. And when I first saw that photo, I just burst into tears. I thought, that's who we are. So many great memories that can be lost if we just focus on the pain. I think about my health. You look at that photo, you think, what's all that about? I don't know. I don't have all the answers to all your questions. I don't have all the answers to my questions. But this I do know. I have a greater appreciation and understanding of the grace of God. And when we sang that song this morning, I just was overwhelmed with gratitude and emotion because of the incredible goodness and the grace, the grace that is the unmerited favour. Everything good in my life, I don't deserve. If actually anything, if I deserve anything, it's the bad stuff. But I get all this good stuff and I don't deserve it. It's only the grace of God that allows me to enjoy the good things in this life. And not only that, the grace of God is so amazing, it doesn't just stop at the unmerited favour. It goes above and beyond and it gives me a supernatural enabling to be able to do things I never thought I could do before. I'm so indebted to God for the grace of God and the understanding that has come through the pain that we've experienced. And I don't know if I speak on behalf of anyone else, but for myself, I am so grateful for the pain that I went through this year because it's taught me something about myself. It's taught me something about God. It's taught me something about the church. It's taught me something about victory. And I wanna say, church, there's so many good things that have come from 2016 and let not the pain or the toughness or the craziness of 2016 rob you of the blessing and the goodness of 2016. Amen. I'm so grateful as I remember and reflect upon how our leadership team stepped up. Oh my gosh, I'm in hospital. Really, and I don't say this to sensationalise anything, it, it, it was a, it was a uh, diagnosed reality that I was dying. This blood infection, this, this disease in my blood was taking over my body and I, and I felt like my body was shutting down. And in the midst of that, the church stepped up. Members of our team did things they didn't even think they could do, but they did it. And I may not have been able to express it too well back then. It probably sounded something like this. Thanks. But from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful. And how about my wife? Oh my gosh. That saying, you married up. That doesn't apply to anyone more than me. I don't know if you remember Back to the 2nd of May, 2016. I was in hospital, had this massive abscess on my spine and they'd called me in to have spinal surgery. But Kath was down to preach. Not just once, but twice, both morning services. And she kissed me on the head on Saturday night, prayed for me, and left and got up here and did what she does week after week after week after week. Now, in the end, I didn't have to have the spinal surgery. There's a miracle that took place. But when Kath stood up and preached, she did not know that. She stood up here and preached with the understanding that her husband was going to be cut open 
and had spi- have spinal surgery while she was just leading and preaching on the 2nd of May, Mother's Day. When we were pampering every other mother, this mum was working hard. This mum was serving you. This mum was leading as she should, not in her own strength, but in the strength that only comes through the grace of God. If we miss this memory, we're going to miss so much. What we face as a church shuts churches down. Churches that go through what we went through don't exist most of the time. Pastors that go through what we have been through don't hang around. Let's not forget that church. We experienced something extraordinary, something supernatural, something so grace-filled, something so amazing that it should put the hope in the hardest of hearts and cause the greatest cynic to soften. The trouble is we miss the moments to tell these stories because we're so busy living in the pain. There are so many good things. I put a post on Instagram just yesterday and I said, thank you, 2016. Honestly, as I think back over 2016 with all its pain and craziness and toughness, etc., etc., I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I, I felt God speak to me as I was on the treadmill. I often do this Sunday mornings before preaching. I just go through my notes. Just... just that's when it said eight Ks, it's a bit faster. Just going through my notes and I just felt God say this, church, you're stronger than you think you are. Not because of your strength, but because of the strength that comes through staying close to Christ, you are stronger than you think you are. And I think 2016 showed us that we're stronger than we think we are. I grabbed Lisa this morning, gave her a big hug and said, we made it. And guess what she did? She cried. (laughs) But we're here. And we'll be here on the 2nd of January. And we'll be here on the anniversary of Christ's death. We'll be here. We'll face every first and every second and every third because that's what we do. That's who we are. That's what 2016 taught me. It taught me that we're not normal. (laughs) It taught me that we're not just Christians by name. It taught me that we're not just happy with a little bit of religion. We want reality. We want the reality of Christ and Him crucified, buried and raised again, living in our lives and displayed before men. That's what it showed me. And anyone who's looking at victory, and there are lots of people, love us or hate us, the love and the commitment to Christ has to be admired. That's what 2016 showed me. And I would never have come to this conclusion if I didn't take stock and time to remember. I had great memories as I look back at those little clothes and when I was six and when I was 16, etc., etc. But this memory is far greater than any item of clothing. Paul says, let us remember. Everyone say remember. Secondly, we're not only called to remember, but also to retain. Everyone say retain. Retain. Like in our wardrobe, we must retain or keep certain things that are important to our future. 
We need to adopt and to keep healthy habits, particularly when the times are tough. Yet, it's often in tough times that the disciplines are the first things to go. People have a tough time and say, what are you reading like this? I don't read anymore. Do you know for Kath and I, what made our year tougher than probably most is not only did we go through what most people went through, but we had to do it publicly. We couldn't do it in the shadows. And not only did we have to do it publicly, we had to lead and bring order to chaos. And yet we were grieving. And yet we were hurting. And yet we had pain. And in the midst of all that, we had to hold on to our disciplines. And if there's anything that we got right in 2016, can I say this? No glory to us, but all glory to God, because it's as we were able to hold on to the disciplines in our life, God was able to speak to us. God was able to fill us. God was able to meet us. God was able to give us grace. God was able to give us wisdom. God was able to give us strength. And so that's why we were able to face the pain and the hurt and the grief publicly while leading only one reason because we stayed close to Jesus and kept certain things in our life. We retained those things that were most important to our lives. We would never have been able to do it if we let go of those things. Paul says in verse three, you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the world, you will share in His glory. What is Paul doing? He's not only causing the readers to remember, but he's also encouraging the readers to hold on to certain things. And the thing he's wanting us to hold on to more than anything is Christ Himself. And he says, it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. It's in Him. He is your life. He's the one with you. It's Him that you will share with and His glory. See, New Year's Eve is a time for annual ritual of dramatic resolutions fueled by the hope of immediate and significant personal life change. The trouble is God doesn't work like that. God works in you through a process, not an event. The work of God is not seen in three or four huge moments in our life, but tens of thousands of little moments of change. I'm trusting right now there's little changes taking place in our thinking and in our attitude because that's where the gold is. It's like trying to lose weight, which is the number one resolution for 2017 for many, many people. You don't lose weight through one good meal. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you can, please let us know. You will be rich very quick. And you don't lose weight through not eating junk once. You lose weight through embracing a healthy diet and eating that healthy diet one day and then the next and then the next and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, 
and then the next. And you look at the scales, they haven't moved, but keep going. And the next, and the next, and the next. And you look at the scales and you've gone up. Oh my gosh, but keep going. Keep, don't, 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 don't give up. Keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. Because eventually it'll begin to show on the scales. Because you don't lose weight through one meal. You lose it through embracing a healthy diet and embracing that healthy diet for a long period of time. That's how you do it. That's how you lose weight. Our lives don't come from big moment to big moment. We all live in the utterly mundane, as I read just recently. I love that thought. All of us live at the same address. We all live at the place of the utterly mundane. There is no exceptions. The transforming work of grace is more of a mundane process than a series of few dramatic events. It's looking back over the whole 2016. It's like, I, I, don't know, I don't know what happened, but over each 365 days, I feel changed. I feel changed. I feel different. For this work to take place, we must retain the important things, such as reading our Bibles, church. Reading our Bible isn't something we do once. It's not something we give God a chance to speak to us once. It's not one big moment. It's a commitment every day to get a little bit of God's Word into our spirit. I've done some dumb things, I've done some wrong things. But one thing I got right is from the age of 15, I decided that I was gonna commit to reading my Bible on a daily basis. And that's what I've done. And that's what I've been doing. And that's what I continue to do. Did I always feel like reading the Bible? No. Did I always understand it? No. Did I always like it? No. Did I always enjoy it? No. Did I always do it? Yes. Because that's where the power is. That's where the gold is. Hey, if we're going to make a New Year's resolution, let's retain the Word of God in our life. Let's make a commitment to reading the Word of God on a daily basis. Let's make prayer and meditation something we do on a regular basis. You know, there's a place where we can come together and pray. And there's a time where pastors will pray for parishioners. But you know what? It shouldn't stop you ever praying for yourself and your family every day. It's something we do on a daily basis. It can look different. I would say this, what do you enjoy doing? Do what you enjoy doing and pray there. You enjoy walking, walk and pray. I love getting on the treadmill and just, I just that's my time. Jordan has adopted this principle and every morning you'll see her 5.30, give or take, five, six o'clock, somewhere around there and she'll have her headphones on, she'll have music playing and she is worshipping God. It's what she calls her worship walk. And she just walks and worships every day. It's her commitment. And I'm so proud of her because in one of the toughest years she's faced, she faced it in year 12. And she did really, really well with her ATAR score. And she didn't stop going to church during that time. She went to church every Sunday. And you know what? She didn't get off any roster. She served in year 12. And she has a part-time job. And she's managing a boyfriend. 
managing being the operative word. And she's held herself so well. Not because she's the pastor's daughter, because that doesn't get you far. Being the pastor's daughter is not going to get you far in life. It's what you do as an individual that's going to get you where you're going. And it's her worship walk on a daily basis that has kept her in that place. And I'm proud of her. Not just because of what she's achieved, but because the example she's setting and the legacy she's leaving for others to follow. If you want a good example of what it is to be an 18-year-old girl that's got, uh, just finished school and a boyfriend in a Christian environment, follow Jordan. Getting to church should not be something we do when there's just an event on. It should be a commitment. It's what Jesus modelled to us. He went to church as was His custom. Went to the temple on a regular weekly basis. Wasn't who's preaching? What times it start? Will there be pancakes? We can't afford to do pancakes every week. We'll do it occasionally. But please, if that got you here for the first time, you're so welcome. It's awesome. But if that's the only reason you're coming, we want it to go deeper than that. And another thing I think we need to retain and hold on to and embrace this year is what I call fellowshipping up. I would not have got through this year without fellowshipping up. That is having people in my world who are bigger, stronger, wiser, more experienced than me. And as I sit back at the end of 2016, early 2017, one of my greatest joys is the people in my world. My world's got very big in these last few years. And to have a global network of friends in ministry that are praying for me, sending texts to me. They're busy people. And they're sending texts to me. It's just such a privilege and such an honour. So who's in your world that can help you up? There's so many people that help you down, pull you down, tall poppy syndrome, but who's going to help you up? You know, you only need one big person in your life to help you stay big. And, and the people who think big are not in the majority. See, here's where we often go wrong. We think because 10 people, 10 small people all agree, they must be right because they have the numbers. 10 small people all thinking smallly don't equal one big. Yeah. Equals just 10 small. I would rather listen to one big person than 10 small people. Does that make sense? And so we have to assess and retain those right people in our lives. Which brings me to my third point. Can we have the band come? That'd be great. And that is we need to release certain things. Not only do we need to remember, and not only do we need to retain, but we also need to release certain things. Like our wardrobes, there are some things that just have to go. There's one old top I was wearing. I wore it to Bali on our holidays and it was so ripped and so torn. It was kind of a bit of a favourite of mine. It was handed down from Benno actually. And this thing was so tatty and so old, but it's one I love to use in the gym. But it just, it looked ridiculous in the end. And I said farewell to it in Bali. I left it there. It's like a really sad moment. I said, bye old friend. <laughs> bye old friend. It just had to go. Cassidy, either... Bali, either the top stays in Bali or you stay in Bali, but something's not coming home. <laughs> Ultimatum. Something's have to go because they're too old, too damaged or outdated. Paul says it this way in verse five, put to death, strong words. Didn't say think about it. He said get rid of it, put it to death. The sinful, earthly things, 
lurking within you, have nothing to do with them. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Paul is encouraging his readers not only to remember, not only to retain, but also to release or as he puts it, put to death certain things. Many people look forward to a new year for a new start on old habits. See, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. If you don't change some habits, if you don't get rid of some things, if you don't get rid of some attitudes and some thought patterns, I promise you this, 2017 will be just as bad as 2016. We have to get rid of some things this year. Things that might equal an unhealthy lifestyle. Maybe for you, you just want a better diet or greater fitness. But you know what? Embracing a better diet also means getting rid of junk food. You show me your pantry and I will show you the level of your health. What's in your pantry is what goes into you. And what goes into you is what makes you healthy or not. You can say, oh, but this year's gonna be different. No, no, show me your pantry. You know, when you have those late night hunger pangs and you just want sugar, tell me what's easier. To say no to the sugary food that you crave if it's in the pantry or if it's not in the pantry, which one's easier? In order to say no, in order to put to death certain things, you've got to make sure they're not there. Some of you, the addiction that we have to certain things. And can I just say this for our younger generation? Adults, listen to me. One of the greatest problems our younger people are facing today is an addiction to technology. You've got to capture this. There's something doing the social uh, media uh, scene right now that I encourage you to watch that backs what I'm about to say. But you know, when you have sex or when you gamble or when you do drugs, it releases a chemical called dopamine in our bodies. And it's the same chemical that is released when you get a like or someone befriends you. And we've got young people who are becoming addicted to devices and they're waiting for the likes to come because they're finding their value and identity and self-worth in the amount of likes. And God help them if anybody defriends them or blocks them. And some of us as parents, we're still on the old train, uh, train of, oh, shouldn't smoke, Christians don't. No, no, we've got to get with the program. This is a massive, massive problem. And we need some parents. This is not a time to retire, parents. It's a time to refire. If you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your time is not done. We have a young generation that need our wisdom, need our experience and need our hope. Here's the worst of it when it comes to technology. There's no age restriction. At least with alcohol, it's illegal to drink until you're 18. With social media, you can get on at any age and get these addictions at a very early age. And we're gonna start putting some restrictions, not in a religious, old fuddy-duddy way, but in a way where we share vision and purpose. Do you know why I'm saying what I'm saying today? Because you're better than that. 
You're better than being that guy or that girl that just sits on a media, a technological device waiting for someone to befriend you or to like you because you're so insecure. I wanna tell you, you are better than that. And that's why, not you're making me look bad as a parent. No, that's what Christians don't do. I'm tired of what Christians should or shouldn't do. It's not the answer. We need to bring people on the journey. We need to help people. And I wanna say, as Paul said, there are certain things we've got to put to death this year. And it's not gonna be easy. Some of you are gonna be in the fight for your life, but I'm gonna tell you this, it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be a fight, but it's gonna be a fight worth having. And you can be involved in a community that's gonna help you to fight. I'll never forget when I was 19, I went up to Queensland, saw my family for the first time. We'd immigrated from the UK. We went out, we had a drink together. I was 19, I had a beer in my hand, just one. And we was in a nightclub and we were dancing. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I kind of like to be the life of the party and I don't need alcohol. And so there I were, there I was, sorry, there I were. (laughs) And there I was just cutting it up on the dance floor, having fun. Six months later, my cousin comes down. I invite him to youth. He came and he starts telling God, oh man, I never get when Tony came to Queensland. You should have seen how drunk he was. And I was undone. I was undone. Not because I was exposed for drunkenness because I wasn't drunk. But I was undone because I realised that my life is not my own anymore. I realised I have to make choices, not what is just best for me, but what is best for others. And I made a decision that day, not because the pastor said, not because he was preaching on this, not because anyone told me to. I made a decision to put away alcohol. I made a decision as a 19 year old not to drink, not because drinking's bad or wrong. The Bible only ever talks about drunkenness, not drinking. There was not a verse to say you should not drink. There is not one. But there is a law that is higher than just the Scriptures than just what is written. The Bible says this, that everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. And I knew that it was not beneficial for me with my personality and leadership and love and zest for life to be seen to be drinking. It's just not worth it because people are always gonna think I'm drunk. And I said this, I do not want alcohol to get the glory for the life of God in me. And so I, I did not drink. I did not touch an alcoholic beverage till I was about 35. Self-imposed, because I saw the wisdom of it. And you know what happened? I'd be drinking a Coke and then people say, what's in his Coke? Oh my gosh, I drink water. They say, oh, is that vodka? No. (laughs) You're not always gonna win, but as much as it's up to you and God, you can make some good godly decisions. As Christians, in a community like this, Can I say this? I don't think we need alcohol, particularly as young people. Why would you want alcohol getting the glory for the fun that we can have without it? That's a far better reason not to drink than you shouldn't because you're a Christian. I'm tired of religious games. I don't wanna do that here. Not in this church. I don't wanna do religious games. 
I want to keep it real and help people because there's a lot of help that's needed and required. And it's gonna take strong, gutsy, determined people. See, this is what I've learned. Everyone wants to be a leader until it comes to doing leadership stuff. And the first place leadership stuff happens is when you start to say no to certain things. Because leaders know that they're not just living for themselves. They're living for others. And as a believer, we are leaders. We are leading this world in a way, a better way to live. And we make decisions, not just what's best for us, but what's best for this society. Tell me this, would schoolies be better or worse without alcohol? So we lead the way. Not with religious, pious attitudes that say, you're not allowed to drink, you shouldn't drink. But we lead the way, a better way. We want to lead the way. We need to put aside certain things in 2016. Maybe it's some friendships. There are some toxic people out there and they're going to hinder your 2017 if you don't have wisdom in knowing where to place them. And when I say toxic people, that doesn't mean they've got horns and a tail and a pitchfork. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about good people. Good people. But so good they're holding you back. We have to make some choices this year. There are some things we're going to have to remember. There are things that we're going to have to retain, hold on to. And there are things we're going to have to release and let go of. Some of us are going to have to let go of unforgiveness. Some of us are going to have to let go of just the sheer pain of this year. Let that not be the full extent of our conversation going into 2017, how painful 2016. That should not be at the forefront of our conversation. Just let it go. Let it go. And the last little thought is that we need to receive. Like in our wardrobe, we need to make room for new things. Got a couple of new shirts for Christmas and they're there in my wardrobe, ready to pop at the front because they're the new ones. God wants to give us new things this year. I firmly believe that. I believe we're coming into a season of favour and blessing. But in order for us to receive that, we need to let go of cynical, sceptical thinking. Some of us might say, if that can happen to Chris, what's the point of even trying? Because it's what Chris would want us to do. It's what God would want us to do. Can you imagine the early church, the moment Stephen was killed? Everyone said, what's the point? No, they didn't. They, they, they said, oh, oh, if it takes dying, I'm, I'm ready to go. And that's what the church was birthed in and on. I want us to embrace this year, not cynical, not sceptical, but childlike, yeah. wide-eyed, like the kids at Christmas. All the adults are like, oh, another present. Kids are, oh, another present. They're like, oh, I wonder what it is. And as parents, that's oh, a piece of rubbish. That's what it is. <laughs> I want to embrace a year like that. Yeah. Wide-eyed, yeah. expectant, yeah. with a spring in our step, dance in our hand, <laughs> deep shoulder actions kind of stuff. Come on, let's stand.
Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, a verse I quote often, simply says this, those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace of God that could be theirs. Hey, there is grace and abundance available right here, right now. But if your hands are full of the wrong things, you'll miss it. You imagine if we never threw out our clothes, ever. You've got this new top, we're not trying to jam it in there. It's just, there's no room. There's just no room. You've got to get rid of some stuff. Today is the time to let go. It's time to receive. It's time to remember. And it's time to have the best year of our lives. Because 2017, you rock in faith. Is it just me? Does anyone else feel like 2017 is going to rock? It's just going to be kind of cool. Just close your eyes just for a moment as we reflect upon what has been said. Just the fact that so many are out this morning is just testimony to what I've been talking about. You're amazing. You really are. Kath and I really did prepare for it just being me and her. Her leading worship, me preaching. And you know what? If it was just me and Kath, I would preach just like I did today. Give it my all. Because what we do here. Because there are hurting, lonely, lost, broken people everywhere. And they deserve our best. They don't deserve a drunk version of us. They deserve us clear-minded. They don't deserve a, a drug-addicted, social media-addicted version of us. They, they deserve a free us. No condemnation. God is here to help because addiction is very real. I'm not here to make light of that. We are here to walk with you and help you every step of the way to set, see you set free. We're not here to just leave you alone and point a finger at your struggles. We are here because we are people who all struggle in some area or another. But we're here to say, we love you. We care for you. That's why we're here, church. I mentioned a man by the name of Adam who came up to me last week on Christmas Day. So he came for the first time the week before at the Christmas celebration. I was just so glad to see him. Straight after that, another person introduced himself to me. It was his boss. I'm so glad because that's why we're here, church. We're not here to play religious games. We're here to help people. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness and your grace to us. And we know it's on offer right here, right now. We don't want to miss it. And so I pray that for this year, 2017, we would truly remember and hold on to the good. And there's much good to be held on to. That we would retain the godly disciplines in our life. That we would release certain things, the hurt, the pain, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. That we'd make a step towards seeing bad habits broken this year. Thank you for taking the time to listen. 
if you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 